we're going to be talking uh, about um, unity in the body. Oh, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I hope it, it turns out well. But we're going to be talking about um, um, just unity within the body and some points that Paul is going to have to say in Ephesians. And we're going to read Ephesians, all of it here, um, all, the whole section that I'm going to go over. It's 16 verses. You'll be able to make through. But what I want to do is I kind of want to reset on what we've been talking about or what you guys have been talking about. I'll also reset on what the youth and how this is a perfect time to, to come together and talk. So we'll start off with the youth. So the youth we've been talking about laying a foundation and just kind of going back to the basics. And last week we talked about how, number one, your understanding of Christianity, first off, needs to be rooted in why Jesus and why, um, how we fit into God's plan, right? And how our lives can reflect that. So the question I asked them is, what is your purpose in life? Um, and, and I gave a really Christian answer. I hate it because every time I was in church and that was given, I wanted a specific one to my life. Like, so anytime the preacher, preacher said, what is your purpose in life? And I'd be like, tell me specifically, like, okay, let me give it to you, Johnny. All right, so uh, when you turn 18, what's going to happen is, right, like I wanted a specific purpose. But um, as you know, I'm not a fortune teller. Uh, I don't have the gift of prophecy right now, right? I can't, I, can't I, I, I don't know what your detail, but I do know this. You're made to use your gifts to glorify God, right? And And that's pivotal because a lot of people think that the whole reason why we're saved and the whole reason why we're is because we're awesome. And the problem with that is the end result is you're making yourself central. Like even the reason why Jesus came to die on the cross was so that you would be saved and that would show glory and bring glory to God, right? I don't know if you remember this, but if, if you think of this concept about bringing glory to God or for um, making the name of God known and great, if you read the Bible through that lens, you will be floored at everywhere it shows up, right? Everywhere it shows up. Um, so we went through we went through about thirty five verses where it talked about how the reason why Jesus did things or the reason why God did things was to make his name great, okay? And that's why when Riken's up here and he's saying, God, there's no place I'd rather be than here talking about how great you are and how good you are. Um, if you don't have the right perspective, you can say, ah, is God conceited, right? But you're not conceited when the glory is due to you. <laughs> that's just being honest, right? And so when you have kind of that mindset that he is great and he is worthy to be praised and he is should be glorified above everything else, it's not conceitedness, right? Like God doesn't need our praise. Our praise should be given. And what's really interesting is in the Bible it says, in the end, every knee will bow, regardless of where you stand. So whether you're a Christian or not, your knee's going to bow and it's going to give glory to God, right? Um, so, that's what we've been talking about in youth, and we're going to shift today as far as what the adults have been talking about is this series, A New You, isn't necessarily, and how it fit into um, New Year's, isn't necessarily talking about how we can get better, but how Christ says that we, when we become Christians, we're a new creation or a new creature, right? Um, I just love, sometimes I don't think we talk about how awesome the Bible is in some parts, like when um, Jesus is talking, I think it's to Nicodemus. He goes, hey, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, I love it. And I love that the Bible has this in there. He literally says, what? 
am I supposed to climb back in my mother and be born again? And I'm like, what an idiot, right? I'm like, there's hope. <laughs> there's hope for us, right? Because that was a, the stupidest question, but also a pretty legitimate question. I mean, if someone's telling you you have to be born again, I could just see him being frustrated, like, what am I supposed to do, right? And then it gets awkward when you think about the implications of what he's asking, okay? But uh, we're talking about not just becoming better, but becoming born again, uh, something new altogether. So all of your all of your New Year's resolutions are built on, this is who I was last year, this is how I want to become better. And that is not how Christianity works at all. And that's the point of what we've been trying to, of what Pastor Jim has been talking about, of saying it's not about you becoming better, it's about you becoming someone completely different. Okay? Are we good? And the Bible uses analogy like, you were once dead, and now you're alive. It doesn't say you were once bad, and now you're good. Right? I mean, this is important, guys, because how many times does that subconscious message get back in our mind? Uh, let me rephrase that. How many times does that message subconsciously go back into our mind, right? That we must become better. And I want you to, I want you to talk hard or think hard because we're talking about unity today in the church. And for me, once again, it's really hard to love church people sometimes. Okay? So, Let's get started here. We're going to go Ephesians. We're going to go Ephesians 4. If you have your phones, you can turn there. If you have your Bibles, you could actually go old school. I mean, I guess. <laughs> I don't think phones have helped, though, um, learning where books of the Bible are, right? Thanks, Chelsea. <laughs> Everybody else is going to the concordance as I was making a point about that. All right, anyways. So here, here it goes. Like I said, I'm going to be reading just for a little bit here, and here's what I'm going to ask. I don't normally do this, but let's stand as we read uh, the Word of God just because, you know, those donuts are sitting heavy in your stomach, all right? That coffee hasn't been, had a chance to kick in here. So here we go. Uh, it says unity in the body. I'm, I'm starting in verse one and I'm going to go to about 16 here. So it says this. And remember right now, can we try to read for comprehension? Right? You know what I mean by that? I mean, when we read, try to, try to understand what it's saying. Okay. So I'm going to read with some inflection and tone. Okay. So here we go. It says this. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives that gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. 
This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity of our, in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love and growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And everyone said amen. All right, so let's get to this outline here, okay? All right, so I do have a outline. Uh, I am going to hit a lot of blanks right away real quick. We'll stop at some, okay? And uh, we'll just move through this. So here's the first thing Paul says, okay? He says this, I urge you to live worthy of your calling. So the first blank there is live a worthy life. Now, I just communicated some things about living a worthy life, but let's fill in the other blanks and let me uh, uh, comment on this. Paul begs us to live a life worthy of our calling. Let me read the verse one more time. It says this, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to leave, to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. And the second point there is this, there is a responsibility that you have with your calling. Now, I just had a real passionate delivery five minutes ago about how we do not earn or there's no rules or there's nothing that we do in becoming better people with the idea of Christianity, right? So once again, this is about you becoming a new creation and being totally new, but here I'm saying there's a responsibility for how you live in regards to your calling. So those are contradictory statements, right? Does, does that make sense? So, so track with me again. I'm telling you there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you more, but in the same token, there's a responsibility for when he calls you on how you live, all right? And let's look here real quick. It says this, um, in this verse, it says this, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. And here's the question that you have to ask. Why? Why should I lead a life worthy of calling? And it says this, because God called you. Because God chose you. So let's look at the cause and the effect. What's the first thing he does? He calls you and he chooses you. Then there's a responsibility for how you live. Earlier in Ephesians, it says this, he called you and loved you and given you the faith for to even believe the gospel before you did everything. Let me say it this way. God knows you at your worst. Okay. Or let's put it this way. Have you ever thought what people would think if they saw the real you? He does. 
right? And here it says, with that understanding, you're then not supposed to live responsibly. But it says this, the first thing is, is understanding that with this understanding of how God sees you, the real you, he's called you at that time. Right in the middle of all of your muck, in the middle of all your trash. Um, I say it this way: um, I have two daughters, as you guys know, and my daughters—they're my daughters. Period. There's nothing that they can do to not become my daughter. But you know what? I ask them to do things because they have a responsibility of being a Greg Lewitz. Right. There's a responsibility with that. But you know what? I didn't have that responsibility before they were born. I didn't say, okay, uh, we got the draft going on here. We're going to have some kids. Let me choose a kid. We'll put that joker in Kim, right? And then, because I know they'll be good kids, then she'll, they'll be born and they'll be a part of Team Greg Lewitz. No, 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 no. They're part of Team Greg Lewitz, and then I have a responsibility for them, Right? And that's the same, that's true with God. God says this, I'm choosing you right now in the middle of, of everything that you, who you are and what's going on, whether good, bad, or indifferent. And now that you're mine, there's a responsibility on this calling that I've placed on your life. I guess what I'm trying to say is you can't be responsible to a calling until you've been called. And I'm encouraging you in saying, hey, you're called. Okay. All right, I, 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 think I've, I think I did okay there, okay? I think I did okay. Let me, t- let me tell you just two more quick stories about this. Number one, um, I'm rem- I'm, there's more Daniel Tiger in my life now because I have two little girls. Uh, Daniel Tiger is the old, uh, is the newer version of um, Mr. Rogers, okay? Some of you, everybody remember Mr. Rogers? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Okay, yeah, that's Mr. Rogers. There's now Daniel Tiger, and it's more... Um, what is it called? Yeah, animated, right? Uh, and they had a song. I was going in the room and I was listening to the song that was playing when I came home one night. And the song said this, I like you for just because you're you. And it went on. I was like, not because you laugh, not because you have a toy, not because, whatever, whatever the lyrics were. And I was like, oh, that could be the next Bruno Mars song or uh, depending on whatever, what, Avant song or uh, I'm trying to reach across all spectrums here. Creed song for Riken. Uh, uh, the Eagles? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyways, the, but the song, said, <laughs> yeah, the song said this, I like you for you. And I thought, what? A, that's, that's exactly what we try to communicate with the gospel, right? God likes you for you. Not because you're happy. Not because you tell great jokes. Not because you... Fill in the blank, whatever that is. You think that you add value. He likes you for you. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. This reminds me of when I, um, when I was in my first job I ever got. Well, my second job I ever got. My first job was at Winn-Dixie, and I worked there for like two months. And then I just stopped going in. And then my second job, though, was at a daycare. It was called Little Angels Daycare, and I helped with the after-school kids. And there was a girl there named Emma. And Emma, oh my gosh, she was... The craziest girl. Uh, she did have, she had um, cerebral palsy and she was mentally handicapped and she was wire thin. I mean, she was like literally a wire and she was super strong. She couldn't talk. She used sign, but she didn't really, you couldn't really understand the sign. So you'd be like, stop Emma. And she'd be like, mm, 
right? And she would just, you're like, what? What's going on? She had a hard time community. She went, she had a hard time being potty trained. Uh, she had a really wide mouth and food was always coming out, boogers, all this stuff. And I loved Emma, okay? I loved her. And I, I can't explain why. I don't know why. But I remember there was a moment where she, um, she got in trouble because she went to the bathroom what, during snack time. And, um, and she had, <laughs> she would do things like she would get up out of her seat because you would always, people, I think you'd have a tendency to underestimate her. She'd get out of her seat and she'd go over to where all the snacks were and start eating. And you'd be like, Emma, stop eating the snack. And she would laugh on her way back. And you're like, wait a second, right? Like, it was just awesome. But anyways, um, the point of all this is what I'm trying to say is I remember one time holding Emma and looking at her and seeing her and it was like a change happened. I no longer saw all these things that you would say, oh, let's clean you up. Let's do, you know, you got boogers and all this stuff and spit coming out of your mouth all the time and your wire was skinny and she would always scratch herself. And it, But you saw past all this and how beautiful and how wonderful she was. And I was looking at her and I was, I had my, I was holding her and I had my mouth open and it's just, it was just a, a defining moment in my life, and I'm looking at her, and I'm smiling, and she's looking at me, and as she looks at me, she opens her mouth and puts her mouth over my mouth, all right? <laughs> and I'm glad I had that revelation before she did that, right? But I was like, oh, Emma, and she was like, uh, you know, she was like laughing of that. She did that, and it was just so awesome. And But in that moment, I really felt God speak to me. And this was, you know, this was 15 years ago. I really felt God speak to me and saying, or I, I shouldn't say speak to me, but have a revelation saying, how much do we look like Emma to God? We're just filthy. We don't have it together. We, and, and please hear, I mean, I'm not doing it. I'm not saying Emma was filthy, but I'm saying sometimes, I mean, she would, she wasn't potty trained. She would get food everywhere, snot, slobber, all this stuff. How many times did you do that? And I was able to, in times, lay aside my goodness or my cleanliness and at times just pick Emma up in the middle of all of her filth and just give her the biggest hug, right? And I don't know if you know that about a parent, but as some, sometimes when you have kids, you're like, okay, I got this outfit, they're getting dirty and all this stuff. And, you know, sometimes you want to pick them up and not get yourself dirty. But there's other times where you say, who cares, right? It was just one of those mo moments I said, who cares? I love Emma. And I was able just to love on her. And I thought, how many times does God do that? You know, Kim sent out a text this past week, if you're a part of the text group that said, that was going over Philippians 2. And Philippians 2 talks about how God put aside his godliness to come to earth and to live as us. And that's what he did. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm too clean for you guys in your filth and in your mess. But he said, I see that filth and mess. I'm putting aside my godliness and I'm entering in. And it was just a really beautiful moment when that hit. It was another way of God communicating to me. He sees me as I am and loves me. And because of that, I have a responsibility now for how I live. And that's what Paul's talking about here, okay? So let's look, about, let's look a little bit further about how he talks about here. Um, Paul encourages us to be, 
Oh, Paul encourages us to be united with fellow Christians through love and peace. Ephesians 4, 2 through 4 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your what? Love. Thank you, Pastor Jim. And make every, and someone else who was a little bit quieter. And make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with thank you. Yep. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called, one glorious hope for the future. All right, let's let's talk here. All right. <clears throat> you, you, were you ever ashamed of other Christians? Right? You ever see something on Facebook post and you're like, I do not right now want to tell people that I'm a Christian, right? Guess what? People might have thought that about your posts, right? And here's what Paul's saying. Hey, did you know there's one God? Did you know there's one faith? And that we're all united. We're on the same team. And here's what I believe he's saying here, okay? Paul's saying he's not referring to our every. Uh, he is referring to our everyday decisions, not necessarily doctrine. Here, here's what I'd lump in there. All right, we're one, one body, one faith, one church, one, one, one God. Here's what he's saying here. I, he's not saying to let how you parent divide us. He's not saying where you stand on vaccinations to divide us. He's not saying how you choose to school your kids. Not on the basketball court. Right? I'm not talking about that schooling, right? Oh, oh, oh. All right? I'm talking about homeschool, private school, public school, right? He's not saying if you're going to be a vegetarian or if you, well, he might be talking about that, right? Everyone should be eating meat and steaks, okay? All right, moving on. Hey, shout out to Jim's ribs, huh? At the, okay, all right, moving on. Um, all right, let me, let me say this. I know we're in Texas, <laughs> shoot, but hey, he's not even saying your political stances. All right, I only got a couple nods. That was better than what I thought. I thought a couple people would leave, okay? Listen, he's not saying these things should divide us, but what is he saying is the answer? Through peace and love. Let me ask you this. How many of your discussions or arguments are ruled by peace and love? Hmm? Do you allow for grace and mercy for other people's viewpoints? Listen, Republican and Democratic is not in the Bible, okay? They even tried to pin Jesus down with this. Y'all remember? They said, Jesus, um, how, should we, how should we treat Caesar's new rule over here, or law, or by taxes? And what did Jesus do? He just matrixed out of the way, right? He's like, whose face is on the dollar bill, all right? Give him what is due him, but give me what is due mine, right? Listen, if our job is to stay united through peace and love, how many of our arguments or conversations would take on a different light, right? Um, I know I'm, I'm, I, I was really nervous about, I was trying to think of PR. I didn't want to see, look over and see Jim shaking his head or going like this, but I was really praying and thinking about this, especially now, especially with, what you believe and all this stuff. But listen, guys, can you please just hear my heart on this? America is not the answer. I know, I know it's a little bit weird, but, but you know there is a chosen nation. It's Israel. 
right? Oh, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make a stance on, it was, was America founded in Christian values? And what, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying this. Jesus is where our hope and rest ends and should be placed in. When I was talking about living in faith, I wasn't talking about living in faith in our government. I'm not talking about living in faith in those things. I'm talking about living in faith with Jesus. And can I please say this also? Hey, we're given the book of Revelation. You know what's great about that? We know that Jesus wins in the end. All right? You guys, please, through peace and love, we're to be united, not divided. And that means things that you feel passionate about, you're going to have to not voice because it's not loving. You're going to have to not voice because you're not being peaceful. And I'm not, I'm both sides here, okay? Our goal is to be united through peace and love. That's what he's saying here. Um, I love what um, C.S. Lewis says. He said, God has forgiven the unforgivable in me so I can forgive the unforgivable in others. Listen, you can love people on the other side, whatever side you're on. All right, let's move on here. Um, Extending grace. To whom are we to extend grace? I put kind of my own personal feelings here. It's a little bit of a typo, but that's okay. Here's the blanks. It says this, extending grace outside the church tends to be easier than extending grace inside. I have a friend who said this. Listen to this. Fill in the blank real quick and listen to this. I had a friend who said this. They're an atheist now, and they said, um, I said, what happened? Because they used to go to church all the time. I said, what happened? They said, well, people always said that religion gave you freedom. She's like, but that was never the case with me. I never felt that freedom, so I just said, I'm out. And I wish I was quick enough, because I would have said, ah, but Jesus came to give freedom from religion too. Right? Did he not? You got sinners that Jesus came to give freedom to, and then you got the religious. And here's my question. Which one of those camps do you fall in? Jesus came to save the sinners and the religious. I'm a part of the religious group. Um, I've shared this before. I viewed myself as a tool God could use to help other people instead of viewing myself as a tool, (laughs) right? I was like, God's going to use me greatly one day, (laughs) right? Is that not how religious people think? As not someone who needs grace itself, but I'll just be the conduit (laughs) where grace can run through me. Now, grace does need to run through you, but we are all objects of grace and need our own grace. And until you realize that, You'll, you'll, um, you'll need to be set free from that. Um, let's continue on here. Um, next blank here. Maturing in our faith. <clears throat> the Bible doesn't use terms of getting better, but of becoming new and maturing as a new creation. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. It says this, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced by people who try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church, and he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing 
full of love. Let me give you these blanks and then give the point that I want to give. It says, like our physical bodies, our spiritual life should mature and develop simply by being born again. Um, if uh, the children's church, they've been going over the fruit of the spirit. Um, and I love fruit of the spirit because uh, it reminds me when I was taught it. Anybody taught fruit of the spirit growing up? It was like the banana. And it's like, that's peace. And some strawberries. And it's like, that's faithfulness, right? Like, I, I love that. Uh, and felt boards, I love also. But anyways, um, it wasn't until way, way, way later. Uh, well, let me just say, go the opposite way. Instead of saying when I was a kid growing up, let me just say now. It wasn't until about seven-ish years ago I heard a sermon on this. It was the first time I heard this point, and the, the guy preaching said, did you ever notice that it says the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruits? Plural? Have you ever thought about that? And he said this, because when we live like Christ and when we grow and when we mature, we grow in all these areas, not just one. So it's like, oh, today I'm going to grow in bananas in peace right? Over the past five years, my bananas, you know, the peace has grown greatly. The uh, strawberries, my strawberries, long suffering. Those are grapes. I need some more of that. No, he's saying this. When you mature, you mature in all areas. And once again, the Bible uses analogy of a kid and growing up. He says, if you're a baby, that's fine. If you're a Christian, everybody needs to start somewhere. But where are you now? When did you start becoming a baby and how have you grown? It would be really weird if babies, if you had a baby and only its head grew, right? Right? You don't just grow in one area, you grow in all areas. And he's saying here that um, our spiritual growth and our spiritual maturity should be in all areas. And then he gives a, a, a reverse on the immature and the mature or if I can please pronounce it how I want to, the immature or the mature, all right? Let's go on here. So signs of spiritual immaturity. <laughs> Number one, he says, blown about by new teachings, right? Um, you, gotta, you, you guys know people like this? You can, even if it's you, you can say you know other people. That's fine. Um, you guys know people? I got a friend who, <laughs> he's always going on this new discovery he's made, right? Um, he told he called me up the other day and I was talking to him. He lives in Florida and he was talking to me about um, how history has changed what really happened in the past. And I was like, oh, okay. But he's saying how it changed Christianity. And I wanted to say, and I actually did say, I said, hey man, why are you always coming up with new teachings? I said, you're the same guy who believed in mythology when you had a rough time coming out of prison, all right? Um, he spent some time in prison. He got into mythology, Greek mythology, and he's like, he thought that was a new Christianity. I was like, dude, it has myth in the title of what you're believing, right? It's like, no, nah, mythology, it's real. I was like, it says myth, mythology, myth, right? Um, but he's always has this, and I'm like, look at your pattern, dude. You jump from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. You ever, you ever notice popular Christian culture? That's what happens, right? Um, I'm, I'm not too into it, so I'm a little bit out of the loop, but like there's swings that go through, all right? And not to say that it's not biblical, but anybody remember prayer of Jabez or whatever, right? They tend to highlight certain things and then hit that point on how it's going to benefit you. And if we were to go in youth last week, we talked about how our lives should be lived on how do we glorify God, not how does it benefit you. So let me give you the new incantation or promise of how this is going to benefit your life. 
Now, some of that we do need to know who we are in Christ. We do need to claim, proclaim promises. We do need to step out in faith in some areas. But let's not, let's not just get blown about every which way, okay? So that's the first thing. And the second thing is being tricked by teaching that is lies for truth. It's along the same, the same route, but here's what I'll say. Half-truths are really lies, right? Um, it goes along with delayed obedience is really disobedience. Oh, man, right? Have kids. Hey, go to your room. 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 Spanking time. I'm going now. No, no you can't go now. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I asked you to go earlier, right? Um, half-truths are still lies. And how many, of us, how many lies do we believe with these new teachings of, hey, God's going to bless you for this. God's going to bless you for this. God's going to bless Give. And God will bless you. Give God will bless you. I don't want to go too much in time because I'm already way over. Here we go. Signs of spiritual maturity. This is a good one. Speaking the truth in love is the first one. Speaking the truth in love. And here's what I want to do right now. Because I feel like I'm someone who struggles. You're either on one, either end here. Um, You either struggle with speaking the truth without love. You know what speaking the truth without love is? It makes you uh, um, harsh it makes you unsympathetic. It makes you uh, a rules. It makes you pretty much a Pharisee, right? Hey, you, you didn't do that right. Off with your head, okay? Queen of hearts, right? But, um, or you're someone who struggles with the truth and you're all love. Well, it's okay that you're living in sin, right? It's okay that you're doing this. It's okay. It's love, 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 love. No, we need truth with love. And here's what I wanted to do, though. Because I struggle with truth, I wanted to uh, ask you this. Um, it's saying speak the truth in love, but what is love? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. It says this. It gives a definition of love, but I'm going to ask you if your truth is rooted in this. So let me ask you this. Is your truth rooted in patience? Is your truth rooted in kindness? Is your truth rooted in jealousy? Are you boastful or proud about your truth? You don't know what you're talking about, you sinner. (laughs) Is your truth demanding its own way? That's not loving, right? Well, I'm just right, okay? So sorry, agree to disagree, right? Is your truth rude? Is your truth irritable? Does your truth keep a record of being wrong? Does your truth rejoice about injustice? Does your truth give up? Does your truth lose faith? Is your truth hopeful? And does your truth endure through every circumstance? You know, that's really hard for me. Is your truth patient and kind, especially? Because how many times do we want to say, this is the truth, and I don't care what you say, or we get belligerent with our truth, or you're wrong. That's not kind. That's not patient, right? Truth with love. All right, that's the first thing. Second thing is... He says, can you see a pattern of growth? If you look at Ephesians um, 4.14, he basically says we grow more and more like Christ. Um, Can you look back and see growth? This is why journaling is great, right? You'll be surprised. Having um, celebrations, you'll see growth, okay? And listen, some of you guys would say, but Johnny, there is no spiritual growth. Maybe your spiritual growth looks like repenting sooner, (laughs) right? 
Maybe you struggle with something, continual anger, continual uh, depression, continual lust, all these things. And you say, I don't see any improvement. You know what improvement could be you repenting sooner instead of staying away longer. All right? So what, look for those growths. Growths. <laughs> and lastly, let's finish out these blanks here and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll finish it up. Your growth can help someone else grow. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 16, it says this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He's talking about all of us with our different parts. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. We talk about living according to your calling. Listen, did you know your growth has an effect on other people's growths? I feel like that's wrong English somewhere in there, but let's just move on, all right? Your growth has an impact on other people's growth. All right, and the last blank there, it says this. Here's the real question. Can you love God even through the growing pains? Listen, you want to know about how your growth is going. You want to know about becoming united. Listen to the last part here. It says, and as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, full of love. If you want to know if you're in a healthy place with your growth, there's two things I want to tell you. Number one, Pain and growing, let me word it this way then, because not just all pain, but growing pains is a healthy part of your walk with God. Just write this down, okay? I know it's not in the outline, but this, I want you to write this down. This is what I want you to take away here. Growing pains is a sign of a healthy walk with God. If you have, if you do not have any growing pains, you should start questioning if you're, if you're growing with God, if you're in a healthy spot. Because God is, won't be done with you until you're dead. <laughs> he won't be done with you. So there's no, I've made it. <laughs> Y'all get on my level, <laughs> right? So grow, having growing pains is healthy and the second part is, if you can still say praise God through your growing pains, you're in the right place. I want to give you guys freedom. You having pains, growing pains, is not a sign of your disfavor or God not loving you. It's actually the opposite. It is a sign. You know what's not loving for God to do? To say, I'm done. I'll let them live how they want to live. That's the most unloving thing God could do. The most loving thing he could do is say, I refuse for you to stay where you are. I got better for you. Growing pains. Growing pains. Right, <clears throat> um, can come up. You can start playing. We're going to close here because like I said, I'm going over. But let me just say this part in, in closing. It's okay to be broken by God. It's okay to be broken by God. And it's okay to be remade into something better. He knows what's best. He knows what's best. So the last two points there, once again, that I want to leave with, it's not in your outline, but growing pains are healthy. That's a good sign. Don't start doubting because you have growing pains. It's a good place. And number two, I want to challenge you. Can you still say God is good 
while you're going through a growing pain. That's also a sign of health. But regardless whether you can say yes or no to those, here's, my, here's, my, here's, here's what we rest in. Regardless whether you can say God is good or regardless whether you, you have the courage or the faith to even go through going, growing pains, hey, he's called you and he's not done. Sorry. <laughs> How many times do we say, I don't want it anymore, God? I don't want it. God goes, oh, that's okay. Come give me a hug. But we're not done. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's keep going. Um, what a great God we serve. What a great God. And especially in our walk with each other. Hey, can we extend some grace and mercy towards each other? Can we love? Can we be united? Can we maybe not talk about our rights so much? Let's remember God gave up his rights. Let's get closer. Let's press in. Let's keep believing. Let's, let me pray. God, on a, on a Sunday morning where Sunday morning in a school building with all of us here. We're talking about a new us. We're talking about a vision that God has for our lives. We're talking about how God takes us and makes us into something new. And we're talking about trusting God with our development and maturity to the vision that God has in our lives. So as we move forward here, God, as we continue on our day and as we continue on um, with our life, in regards to our walk with you, I pray, number one, we would realize that we're your children. And nothing, nothing, nothing can take that away. And God, at this church, we believe, just like what it says in Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from your love, even our own selves. We can't lose it, God. We can't lose you. Even if we say no to you, we can't remove ourselves from your love. Thank you for that. But I pray also, God, that we would have peace and love with each other. And as a church, we would grow together, God. And as a church, this would be a safe place for us to say, I don't understand been scarred. I've been hurt. I can't get over this thing. I feel lost. I pray, God, that we'd be united. We would show love. We would show peace. And we would all just, just trust you, God. 
I'm just going to be quiet for a couple more minutes. I'm just going to have Riken play. I want you just to maybe dig a little deep on what's going on in your heart. And I believe God wants to speak to you today. Maybe not, maybe not just speak to you, but maybe he just wants to press in some things or maybe he just wants to flood you with his peace today. Maybe he just wants to give you some of his strength. Let's allow him to do that. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I've never experienced anything that comes close to just God's peace. I don't know. It's just, there's nothing that really, that really takes that. He's so good. All right, let's, um, 